The Canadian immigration process can be complex and frustrating. With the Canadian Immigration Department making it virtually impossible to speak to an officer, there are few places to turn to for trusted information. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest on immigration law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy, as he is joined by industry leaders across Canada, sharing insight to help you along your way. Good news! Yes, we actually have some very positive good news. And boy, did, did were we waiting for something good to talk about, right? There's been so much negativity. But today, when it comes to foreign workers in Canada, and not just the ones that are here, but employers who are looking to hire to fill labor shortages, this has broad ramifications across the board, this new announcement this new workforce solutions roadmap that the government has put in place. It's there for a reason, you guys. It is there for a reason. I'm Mark Holthy, Canadian immigration lawyer, ex-immigration officer, and former high school teacher coming to you to share some great new news, which I'm sure other people have been spitting out little sound bites and little things here and there, but we're diving in deep. And I'm gonna explain the background and why this is happening and what it means for all of you, whether you're in Canada or outside Canada, looking to Canada as a potential place to immigrate in the future. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Now, I'm gonna flip my screen over here. I'm gonna show you my, my website here. And this is the announcement. This one here is all about the government of Canada's. Um, they've got this new announcement that they just released. And understand this comes from Employment and Social Development Canada, which is the governing body. It's not IRCC. This is the governing body that oversees Canada's temporary foreign worker program. And those of you who are new to immigration, and we can remove this one off of here now, those that are new to the Canadian immigration system, Canada has two different pathways for people to come and work in Canada. One is through the temporary foreign worker program, which is, which is this right here, what we're talking about today. And it's where a company or an employer in, in Canada needs to show that there's no Canadian or permanent resident to fill the position before they can offer that job to a foreign national. This work permit is the magical one that can get you those extra 50 points if you're going through as a skill level zero, A or B, or an extra 200 points if you're applying through one of the double O or senior executive level positions. So it can make the, a huge massive difference. So many of you that are outside of Canada looking at express entry, wondering how in the world am I ever, ever going to qualify because the CRS scores are so high, the competition is so high, it's off the charts, I just don't have a chance. Well, this is actually very, very good news for people looking to potentially get jobs with employers in Canada through the temporary foreign worker program and get those magical job offers that work for the purposes of those extra bonus points for express entry. So what does all of this mean? Well, holistically, it means that Canada is improving. Canada is climbing out of its drudgery that the pandemic caused. 
We're lifting ourselves out. And with that comes more opportunities for companies who are expanding, who are looking to fill labor shortages. And as you can see here, the economic recovery is well underway. And understand this is political spin, okay? So the political party that's running the country, they are spinning this as hard as they can. And in fairness, it's good news for everybody. So in February of 2022, Canada added 337,000 jobs. Can you imagine that? So in February of 2022, they added 337,000 jobs. And that brings the unemployment rate to about 5.5% across the country, which as you can see here is the lowest since the start of the pandemic. And so this is the key part that you need to pay attention to. In fact, Canada's economic recovery is outpacing the ability of many employers to find workers. Surprise, surprise. And to support Canada's continued economic growth, the government of Canada is focused on building a strong, resilient workforce in all sectors. So what this basically means is that things are starting to look pretty good. And uh, it's interesting, when I first started practice in the early 2000s, Alberta as a province was booming. In fact, it was booming so much so that there was less than 3% unemployment in the province. Well, less than 3% is effectively full employment. And in those days, the workers, um, the, the opportunities for workers were just astounding. And companies were so desperate to find people to work in their operations. Um, and the labor shortage was such a just recognized reality that the government actually helped employers to fill in their own applications. They taught them how to do it and they supported them in ways that were basically never heard of. And so through the early 2000s into the mid to even kind of the late 2000s um, in Alberta and many sectors across Canada, people were getting tons of opportunities. I remember one year alone, I worked with a company that brought in over 1,000 um, Mexican low-wage workers. In those days, they were called low-skill workers, NOCs and Ds, to fill positions in Alberta alone. And uh, so the province of Alberta was just, I think we had almost 100,000 foreign workers in Alberta itself that were going through you know, various programs, but primarily the LMIA process, the Labor Market Impact, Ascent, uh, uh, Impact Assessment Process, not the Lima that people call it. It's the L, it's the um, LMIA, not LIMA. But anyways, uh, that's the program that we're talking about here. And so over the years, um, through through the early to mid two thousands and into the late two thousands, the labor shortages were were just they were they, they were desperate for many companies until the global recession hit, and then two thousand nine, ten, eleven through there, things started to change. And our current premier, Jason Kenney, was the immigration minister. And um, he realized that, okay, this is, you know, we got to make changes. We have to help to facilitate. And so they created some programs and they expanded. But like always, there are jerks and stupid people who abuse the programs. There are employers that are crooked and you know who you are because I deal with the foreign workers that are employed by you guys all the time. And there are employers out there that will exploit their foreign workers because they know that they'll do anything to get permanent residence. And I have many, many times I've felt that, you know, I wish we could just blow up the whole foreign worker program and make it a permanent program. So that if an employer sucked and they treated their employees like garbage, when those employees came and worked and saw that the workplace was a, was a, a cesspool 
a, a horrible place to work where people weren't treated properly, they could just leave and go work for another employer. And those crappy employers would go out of business. Unfortunately, that doesn't quite work with the immigration strategy that we have. There's a need for foreign workers. But as long as you foreign workers out there are willing to put up with the crap from your lousy employers who are exploiting you, and you know who you are, employers, who uh, make you work overtime and don't and don't pay you overtime, who have a second set of, set of books like an immigration consultant here in Lethbridge had, where she basically made them work late into the evenings and then still paid them their regular LMIA rate, but basically made them work for free. So frustrating. Um, but those are the realities then that we're at. So when it boomed and got really large, there reached a stage where some entities, like some of the fast food franchises, were literally planning their workforce around the foreign worker program. And I don't mean to spend too much time going into this history, but you guys need to understand, especially you immigration consultants and lawyers out there, where we came from and, and why this is such a big monumental thing that we're seeing here. Why this announcement, this news release, April the 4th, 2022, announcing this new, um, they call it the, the Workforce Solutions Roadmap. Nice, nice, we'll take it. Why this is so important. So continuing forward into 2014, Jason Kenney was then, I believe at that time, the minister over the Employment and Social Development Canada, and he was you know, running the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. I might be wrong with my dates, but I think he was at that time. Well, he saw stories of Canadian students, Canadian kids who were always going to get their first job in the labor market, often through working at one of the fast food franchises or in the service industry. Well, they weren't getting them because they were being filled with foreign workers. And I'll tell you, I loved the Filipino workers that came to Alberta, who sacrificed, who worked so hard, who were working full time. And I'll be honest, um, I would go to a restaurant here in Lethbridge and the food was mm, awesome. I could even go to Boston Pizza and oh, those, man, the, the jambalaya fettuccine, oh, so good, so good. And, uh, and the pizza and all of it was just, I don't know how to describe, it was just so good. Then 2014 hit, and then the the CBC Go Public, Canada's news agency, started to publish reports of Canadians not getting jobs because the foreign workers were filling up those positions. And everything's political. Kenny decided to make a change, and he restricted down the maximum number of foreign workers that that these these food service and across the service industry could have to 10 percent. So if you had more than 10 employees, then you couldn't have more than 10% of your total workforce as a foreign national. It completely revamped the whole foreign worker program and especially with the low wage. And so those changes put a real chill on that. And that was right at the same time around there where Express Entry was created. And many of those Filipino workers, I remember, that's what started a lot of what I'm doing with Express Entry. I knew that things were changing and they were going to be losing their opportunities, and work permits couldn't be extended. If, a, if an employer had a whole bunch of workers, they were going to have to make decisions because who they were going to keep and who they weren't because the total number they could have was being reduced. So since 2014, you guys, these restrictions have been in place, and the changes that we see today are now starting to open up and recognize that some Canadians and permanent residents don't want, to, don't want to work in these industries. And in meetings that I had, I can't remember, I think it was last fall, 
um, with the CBA, we had meetings with, um, with, uh, with ESDC and the other government bodies. And one of the things they started to notice was that there was high unemployment and high vacancy in the same location. What does that mean? Employers desperate to find workers, but workers not being able to find jobs. In other words, well, I, you know, I'm not going to overgeneralize, but if you're sitting at home collecting CERB benefits or whatever, you've gotten accustomed to gaming and getting these free handout money. Why in the world would you want to go work when you could just collect that? Now it came to an end and now we should see people returning back to the labor force, right? But for some reason, it's not happening. Now maybe they've gone off and cho chosen to do other jobs, but now there's desperate need, especially within the service industries. So let's take a look at this because now since that time, and, and you can see the changes that the government has talked about here, but Minister, um, Minister Coltrow right here announced this new uh, program that's designed to create solutions for this problem of labor shortages. And the goal is to ensure that the foreign worker program continues to meet the labor market needs of today. Well, holy crap, the foreign worker program hasn't met the needs of the labor market for the last number of years just because of, of how it's been structured. And I'll be honest, I've got my own opinions on this. And hey, I've never been one to shy away from my opinions, but the enforcement of the foreign worker program has been a complete disaster in my mind. And until they actually get that sorted out, and until they actually punish employers that are bad actors, not giving them excuses, they're gonna to continue to reward the crappy employers who no Canadian wants to work for, um, who then uses the foreign worker program to fill their ranks of their employees and then exploits them and basically takes advantage of them and gets a competitive advantage over the good employers who are trying to play by the rules, abide by employment standards. It's a whole separate discussion. I'm not going to get into it right here, but that's what we're dealing with here. So central to this is labor shortages. Good grief. Enhancing worker protection. I want to see it, you guys. ESDC, I want to see it. And building a stronger workforce for today and tomorrow, blah, 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 including pathways to permanent residency. So that is a little gem that's hidden in here, you guys. This little gem right here is once again a confirmation that there will be a heavy emphasis on workers that are here in Canada. And um, we know from what the minister has told us recently that he is going to be reinitiating the draws for the Federal Skilled Worker Program in the spring. And who knows? Could we see something on, well, Wednesday or next Wednesday or the Wednesday after that, or are we going to have to wait until June? Because I can tell you, July is not spring. At the very least, June, potentially, you could stretch it as being spring. But eh, who knows? Let's wait and see what happens. But that's a shout out that the permanent resident program is not dead. Okay? Five key policy changes will be implemented in the coming weeks as part of the temporary foreign worker program, workforce solution, to respond, blah, 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 okay? And then this one is a little bit more detailed, and we are going to go through this one, but I want to do a high-level zip through this part right here, which is the backgrounder. And this um, probably makes sense to, to maybe just give a couple shout-outs to people that are, are, are chiming in here. And I know there's a lot of people um, 
Yes, Diane, there is, yes, great news, especially for immigration consultants that do a lot of, uh, you know, LMIA work, right, Diane? So um, I hope that this is positive news for you. Absolutely. Okay, Imran says, does this mean faster work permit processing, please? <clears throat> you will see as we go through here that they are definitely going to be working on, and remember, this is ESDC, not IRCC. So we know that the process, the time that it takes to get LMIAs, they are indicating here that the LMIA process will be faster to get it. But there's no word here about things improving in India with the horrible processing times for work permits. That is an IRCC issue. So they're basically saying, look, we recognize that it's taking too long to give out LMIAs. And when companies apply, the, the wait is just too long. So we're going to deal with that. We're going to assign more officers. We're going to work on this. This is ESDC, Employment and Social Development Canada, right here. Recognize the difference, you guys. Employment and Social Deve Development Canada is not IRCC, okay? So back to this. <laughs> you can see these are some of the high-level things that, that I just wanted to touch on briefly, and then we'll dive in deeper. So seasonal cap exemption. So they in back in um, the beginning kind of stages through the pandemic, they started to realize that for seasonal workers, they needed to make changes to extend the season to make it longer so that uh, employers could keep their workers for a longer period of time. And these are work permits in industries such as fish and seafood processing, especially out in the Maritimes where they're desperate for workers. So they had uh, extended that um, up to 180 calendar days per year to address the seasonal peaks. And this will permanently increase up to 270, which is how many, you know, 365 days in the year. So um, predictability for employers, they won't have to go through the hassle, but these are workers that come in, work, and then go home. So it's seasonal, right? Um, just like the seasonal agricultural worker program, which is separate, separate entity, okay? The next thing that I wanna hit on here is longer validity for LMIA um, assessments. So for a long time, it was only six months. Then they made the decision to extend it to nine. But this decision right here to extend the validity of LMIAs to have them increase to 18 months here is a major, major development. Why? Because for some low-wage employers, and we're also going to look at the duration of these work permits, they were only issued, they're only issued for a year. And the reality is, before that work permit, before the worker, when you add in the issuance of the LMIA, applying for the work permit, in many instances, the work permit would almost, the person wouldn't even be here arrived with their work permit hardly before the company would have to start doing the LMIA process all over again because it takes so long to advertise, apply, get the LMIA, and then submit a new work permit. So for that reason, this announcement right here is really, really huge. So LMIAs increased to 18 months is, is a massive, massive increase. Okay, now, I don't know if you can hear us in the background, but my daughters are that's what happens when you have, uh, you're at home and your, your adult daughters, well, one's in grade 11 and the other's like, you know, she's a graduate of university. They are screaming at each other. <laughs> Hopefully you guys don't hear them. I don't think it's anything other than them being girls. I don't think there's any beatdowns going on, but you never know. Okay. This is the healthy household and it's a wild one. And my boys aren't even here. This is the girls. Okay, sidetrack, back on track here. So employment duration for high wage stream and the global talent stream, GTS. 
you can see here that traditionally they had only, it basically the maximum duration had varied by program. But what they've now done is they've extended it to three years. This is once again a huge development for one simple reason. That reason is employers will not have to go back again and again and again to, um, to request extensions as frequently. <clears throat> and if they don't have to go back and request those extensions as frequently, then it means there is more capacity for processing within the, the, the foreign worker program. So it makes perfect sense. And remember, the whole reason that they have shorter periods of time is in case the labor market changes, in case there is a downturn. But what they're seeing and what all of the data is telling them is that the future is bright. And because of that, they're less concerned about having shorter term work permits. And now they're actually looking at the genuine needs of the labor market and the needs of employers who have been hammering them since last fall and even before that, that, that things are changing, that they need workers, that they can't find people to take jobs. And we need, we need these companies and these employers to be working to generate, to help our economy rebound from the pandemic. It's a critical component. And you, workers, both within Canada and outside, are a critical component to this. One thing I want to point out as well is that if you're working on a postgraduate work permit, you're one of those individuals who's running out of time this is a huge, huge benefit to you who are in the service industry. We'll get to it. Let's jump over right now and I'll tell you why. So, and you can see the effective dates, okay? So right here, these are effective immediately. Seasonal cap exemption is, is made permanent to 270 days. Long-term LMIA validity and the employment duration up to three years. Currently at two, they're bouncing it to a maximum of three years. Now they can always decide to do something less but that three years is there. And you can see to help reduce administrative burden, workforce planning, all those things that I talked about. But that's immediately. This is effective April 30th. Today's April 4th, so not till the end of the month. You can see here that they are increasing 30% cap for low-wage employers in certain sectors and 20% for all of them. So up until this point, like I said, since about 2014, I can't remember if that's the, if it was 2014 or 2015 and officially rolled out. I, it's here somewhere. It was limited to 10% prorated based on the workforce. So if you had, I'm not even going to try to do the, 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 um, do the math, but if you've got 11 employees, that's basically one, right? 10%, one foreign worker. And so they're going to increase the cap to 20% and when it comes to these seven sectors right here, you can see food manufacturing, wood products, furniture related, accommodation and food service. See, that's your McDonald's, that's your Wendy's, that's your hotels. Construction, hospitals, of course, nursing and residential care facilities, of course, that cap will be raised for 30% for one year. And this is the one restriction. So employers that wanna get in on this need to do it right away but there's still a danger. If for whatever reason they realize, oh my goodness, this isn't working, after one year they can stop doing it. And if you've raised the level, if you're an employer and you've raised the level of employees in your, in your, um, in your business and you've maximized, then you do have a, a little bit of a reprieve with these workers that you have with increased quotas. But, um, and I should say increased percentages, but ultimately it's still, this isn't permanent. Right, this is for one year, just as it says here. So please pay attention to that. Now, I want to—I just flip back here and, and just state one other thing. So the longer validity of the labor market impact assessments, 
this 18 month people are, are would probably, I think they might be a little bit con confused about what this means. Just to explain what this means here, this 18 months is the duration, the time in which the LMIA itself will be valid. So when the employer applies for an LMIA before the pandemic, when it was approved, that worker had six months to submit their work permit application before it expired. And in a world where work permits get refused, often that LMIA would have already expired by the time the, LM the work permit is approved or rejected. And if it was rejected, then you couldn't go back and use that same LMIA because it had expired. Then during the pandemic, they bumped it to nine months and now they've effective immediately, they have increased that to 18 months, which means if you apply for a work permit and for whatever reason, hire someone who knows what they're doing to help you. I say this because I had two consults today where I can't fix things and they have to go home and we have to try again from their whole country because they made mistakes. And when you make a mistake and it's not the government's fault, there's no going back. Um, so little side tangent. And yes, obviously I'm all I do right here, right? You guys is plug my firm, hire us. We can help you. Yes, absolutely. I want you to do that. Click on the link below. We can guide you. We can help explain if you're an employer, if you're an employee, if you're a foreign worker on a postgrad and you want to see if there's an opportunity to remain with your employer, then absolutely book a consult with us and let us give you a hand and we can help you nav navigate your way through it. But if we flip back here, this means you have 18 months and if you apply and the work permit gets refused, there's still often time to try again. Crazy to think about it, but it happens. So that's one of the things I wanted to highlight. Okay, now zipping down here. So effective April 30th, 30% cap for low wage in these sectors, 20% for everyone else. So instantly they can double the number of foreign workers that are working in these occupations. Why? Because of the high demand, because these industries are in rough shape. And you can see here, the government will carefully monitor. That's why they've said for one year, They'll carefully monitor the implementation. And why? Because they don't want to be seen that they're taking away jobs from Canadians. So you Canadians and permanent residents out there who are sitting at home playing video games or whatever you do and aren't interested in working, well, it'd be a good time to start now. And ultimately, no one can complain about foreign workers taking away jobs from um, Canadians or permanent residents because of the way the LMIA process is set up. Employers have to prove not only, not only that the um, position, they can't find a Canadian or permanent resident to fill it, but that they're paying the prevailing wage rate, which is often a dollar or two more, the average rate, than they would be paying these entry-level students or, you know, high school kids or university grads or university students to take these positions because entry-level is always lower than someone who's been working for five years for your company. But no, the foreign worker program requires that the prevailing wage rate be paid. Okay, and I guess this is another segue. If you're wondering how all this works, subscribe to my LMIA course for high wage positions, which I'm going to be expanding and revamping drastically um, on how you do the process. And I will also tell you one other thing, and I don't have a link to that in the description. You can just go over there and check it out. Go to the Canadian Immigration Institute and all the courses are there. But flipping back to our, um, to here, the last couple little pieces here, and then we'll get to some questions and then we'll dive back in to some statistics. But um, their, their goal is to make sure that addressing, that they're addressing the real labor shortages 
without displacing or negatively affecting Canadian workers or working conditions. That's always been the pillar of the foreign worker program. Okay, here's another thing. This thing that drives me freaking crazy, which is the removal of the 6% refusal to process policy. So basically any economic region with an unemployment rate of 6% or higher in accommodation, food service, retail trade sectors, um, they wouldn't process it. They wouldn't even consider if an employer says, look, I can't get any Canadian to work for me. What do I do? I can't get them. They won't come. I can't force them. You know, I'm paying them crazy wages and still they won't come and work for me. Well, at the end of the day, this ultimately came, comes right back to um, the realities of the labor market where you've got, like I said, you've got um, high vacancy and um, high unemployment, right? Which which basically means employers are looking for positions to be filled and Canadians and permanent residents are trying to find jobs. Well, if they're both there, there's clearly a mismatch. And if the Canadians and permanent residents don't want to do these jobs, then what do you do? Well, you rely on foreign workers to fill them. Bear with me. I have a visitor here who's just coming through. Apparently he likes to sit. Seriously. Seriously? Okay, one second. Okay, <laughs> apparently he wants to look out the window. This is a rough and tumble show here, you guys. This is no fancy stuff. This is a rough and tumble presentation here. And yes, I will get to questions in a little bit. I'm just about done here. So you can see, so as of April 30th, 2022, um, then they're going to remove the automatic refusal to process. Uh, it will help employers in regions where severe labor shortages persist, despite an unemployment rate of 6% or higher. See, do you hear that? Where severe labor shortages exist and persist despite an unemployment rate of 6% or higher. And what does that mean? That means that people that are unemployed don't want to work in those positions and the government can't force them to for a variety of reasons. Okay, maybe they still are afraid because of the pandemic or whatever it might be. So the government says, well, if we can't get Canadians because everybody's scared of the pandemic, and, and rightly so, it's a scary thing. But if you can't get people to work, well, you have to find solutions. Otherwise, businesses close, which is disastrous for our economy. And that is why they're turning to the foreign worker program, which is what it's there for. So then we shift to as early as June. They're going to start consultative roundtable meetings. They started in December of 2021. They announced that there would be new ministerial roundtables to solicit ongoing input on the foreign worker program. And years ago, back in the 2014s, 15s, I actually attended uh, these roundtable meetings when they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with the foreign worker program back then. And uh, I was there for, um, I think it was uh, Cattlemen Association, I think in Alberta, Cattle Feeders Association. But anyways, the, that dog and pony show was coming around. And if you're an employer, then you want to get involved. So um, yeah, and you can see here, as we look at this roundtable, there'll be up to 25 members of the roundtable, including representatives from stakeholders. Who those are? You got me. Employers, labor organizations, migrant support workers that bring diversity of views and regional perspectives. And we don't know enough about that right now. So there you go. So that is a high level overview. And let's dive into some questions. The reason I do these lives is because the questions are the lifeblood of it. So let's take a few minutes here. I'm not going to dive into too many, but they're going to focus on these, okay? And then we'll 
uh, any questions that relate to this announcement. Uh, if it doesn't, I'm not going to answer. Uh, I'm not going to answer them, even if you click a super chat. Okay, it needs to relate to this. All right. Um, so if we go through here, uh, okay. So Bright says, "Good day to everyone." It was really nice to see such good news thumbnail from Mark. It was nice to post that. It was very nice, Bright, to post that. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Um, Okay, and once again, this one. So is it possible that we will get our work visa within 60 days after listening? Good news from you. I am on seven heaven. My friend, I wish I could tell you it's good news. But the desire to expedite speed of processing at this stage rests solely with ESDC. And they're the ones who issued the LMIAs. And that's where the, the speed of processing is going to increase. That's where they, as I will talk about in a little bit, that's where they are really pushing employers to use the online filing system now, which hopefully they've got their acts together. But it does not mean that IRCC is going to expedite work permit processing in India or anywhere else other than the regular course. And I know they're working on stuff, but yes. Okay. Uh, uh, Tanush says, does this mean international students on postgrads can convince their employers for LMI, LMIA easy? Okay, I'm going to give you this. Oh, it's not a terribly loud one. It's a quiet clap in the background. I'll give you one of, well, I'll give you the triangle, but that's book a consult. I'll give you one more applause. This opens up the door for a discussion. Is the LMIA process easier? No, they've said nothing about somehow softening the requirements of an employer filling the, you know, still meeting the, the expectations. It doesn't say anything about that. The employer still has to advertise. They still have to make sure everything is perfectly correct, that the wage is at the prevailing wage rate, that you meet the qualifications of the, for the position that they're advertising for, and that they legitimately consider Canadians and permanent residents that are applying to the job postings that they're posting on the job bank and, and two, at least two other sources, even with underrepresented groups. So all of that's in place, and it is complex, it is tough, and employers get rejected all the time. And uh, when you are someone with a postgrad expiring, you cannot afford to have your employer dabble in this stuff and try to figure it out because it is really tough. Even for us, it's painful. Me, who've been, you know, I've been practicing at this for whatever, 16, 17, 18 years. It's all a blur now. It is so tough. It's one of the ones, even within our firm, we've been trying to figure out, is this something that we still want to do? Like it's so painful, so time consuming to get it right. And so be very careful, but yes, it is good news. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Nessa, good to see you. Haven't had you connect in for quite a while. Thanks for tuning in. She says, haven't watched you in a while. Hello, Mark. Hello to you, Nessa. Crossing fingers, Yash says extension. Let's see if the minister of IRCC, if, if Minister Fraser is going to say something about this. If he's going to announce some good news, we'll just have to see. Okay. So let's see if this one, if Gunnar says, okay, postgrad ending in, on June 9th. Yes. Here's me preparing for the worst. What is the final date before I can apply for a TRV? Also, do I need a, a guarantor to get a TRV because I will lose my job? Okay. Talk to your employer about this. Is there a way that your employer would consider a labor market impact assessment? Does the increase from 10, if you're in, in any service, food service or otherwise, the increase from 10 to 30% of the cap, is there room now for you to have your employer consider an LMIA? 
They can reach out directly to us or if they've got representation helping them with LMIAs, there might be an opportunity there for them to now start the advertisements and there's a way to save that work print of yours. Um, but ultimately, if you have to switch to a visitor record, it's not a temporary resident visa. A TRV is the visa in your passport that allows you to get on the plane and come as a visitor to Canada. It tells the airlines, yet yeah, you're authorized. It tells the border service officers, yes, you've been pre-approved in a way to be able to come and visit. But the TRV is the visa imprinted in your passport to allow you to leave Canada, re-enter, or to come in the first place. What you're talking about is changing to visitor status, and it is a visitor record. And that, you just have to be able to demonstrate that your temporary, your, 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 your reason for staying truly is temporary that you have sufficient funds to support yourself without the need to work. That's what that's about. So that's what I recommend, Gooner Boy. Seriously consider that, okay? Um, and people are already asking about, we haven't heard anything about IRCC, nothing about extending the postgrad, nothing about um, the draws at this stage, although I kind of hinted at the beginning. Okay, um, and I think Nydia says, I'm, a, I'm current international student in Vancouver. How could I benefit from this? I think we've talked about it. If you're an employer, if you're an international student right now, you're probably in you know, two-year program. You know you're going to get a post-grad work permit for three years. So this really isn't going to affect you. This is for individuals who do not have an open work permit option, if they're in Canada, whose post-grads are extending, who have an employer who's willing to file these applications because now the government has given them room. That's the big thing. If you're working at McDonald's, before they could only have 10% of their workforce work as a foreign national, now they can have 30%. And so, well, once it's, once it's um, I think, what do we say? April the 30th is when that is officially brought in. April the 30th is when it lifts, so the end of the month, okay? So for you, you're probably okay. You finish your program, you get your three-year postgrad, and you're okay. But you guys, please, please make sure you're careful when you file these applications. I had a consult this morning that broke my heart. She applied to extend her study permit to finish her program, and she failed to include confirmation of enrollment with the school. She included her old acceptance letter when she first got her study permit approved. They refused it, rightly. Well, I shouldn't say that. They actually went back to her and said, you have 30 days to provide what we need, which is the confirmation of enrollment. Well, after she provided it, well, she thought she provided it. She uploaded it to her, her MyCIC account. She uploaded it, but she didn't click submit. She didn't click that next button to advance where you actually officially send it off. She thought she did. Then her study permit got refused. Then she didn't read the letter carefully where it said that you only have 90 days to restore status. Otherwise, she could have reapplied. And she waited and she was beyond that time period and then they refused it again. So now she has to go home and I'm going to help her to try to refile the study permit from home. But it is so painful, so, so painful. And it could have been avoided. So please be careful, you guys. I'm so, so tired of people saying it's so easy. You don't need to hire anyone. You can do it yourself. Well, for sure, you can until you get it wrong. And the, the, I had a review and, um, you know, I don't know if my buddy's here watching right now. And um, on the ECA, he entered the wrong ECA number in the profile, got his ITA, and then it was only in our reviewing of the application that where he saw that the, the ECA uh, number, the, the, the actual document number, uh, was wrong and we were able to fix it. But that alone could have caused his whole express entry OINP nomination to all fall apart. And that's why I do the collaborative reviews that we do in our office. Once again, 
book a consult, retain one of the awesome lawyers that work in our firm to help you, to support you. You control your application. You file it with our support. We review everything forensically and even help you to upload everything. And you are the one that clicks submit with us there supporting you and you maintain control and the heavy lifting is done. Okay. Um, okay, Imran says, sigh. My experience with the SDC has been great. Okay, that's good. <clears throat> I know it takes a couple of months to go through the process, but it has a real, but it has a very transparent process. After LMIA, LMIA, I hit the black hole of IRCC. You're right. Without IRCC rallying here too, not sure it's going to be good. Well, of course it will be good because people who never even had an opportunity are now going to have it. IRCC, they can be difficult and brutal. But understand, what makes them difficult? Well, one, processing times which you can't control. But two, is they require you to get it right the first time. And that's where we step in. Immigration lawyers, um, you know, great consultants, that's where we fill the role is we know the game. We understand what all the pitfalls, the places that you need to avoid. And when people file it on your own for your first time, you just don't, you just don't get it. And even in some cases, um, you will do everything right and it can still result in a refusal. And if you go to our Google site right now, and I'm, I can't pull it up because it won't let me through Google, but if you go and just search Holthy Immigration Law and check the reviews, you will see that there is a one-star rating that we've just received from a very, very upset individual. And one thing I haven't indicated to them is that we're in the process of returning all their money. But Alicia, who filed the study permit application, followed the instructions explicitly. Based on the instructions, nothing was missing. But an officer took a position that they wanted something more and refused on that basis. The client talked to everybody who said, oh yeah, of course you should have included that. That lawyer didn't know what they were doing. Well, the reality is, yes, we did. And when we follow the instructions and know they're wrong, we can challenge them on those refusals. But in this case, sometimes people are just, I don't blame them. They, they want a result and they don't get it. And that's how volatile immigration is. And so when we make mistakes, we own it. And yes, you, if you're watching it, which you probably aren't watching it, we will be refunding all of the money that you paid Alicia to submit the application. And that's how we do it. And the number of applications that we've had refused, I could probably hold up on one hand. And in every single case, none of them were refused because of something that we failed to do many cases an application is returned or there's something happens improperly um, because there's an error on the side of immigration. But unless a person has the appetite to challenge, there's just, there's not much that you can do. So that was a little tangent, but yes, they demand that you get it right the first time. And if you don't, they crucify you. They refuse your application. And then you are left wondering why in the world did I listen to George, the helpful immigration advisor, um, which you guys can watch that video on the YouTube channel. If you haven't, um, that the, on the YouTube channel, I created a, a fun little video, which I'm also going to just point out to you guys because it's, um, yeah, it's actually worth watching. So if I go back here and I flip down, you'll see it is this one right here, Immigration Help Desk. Yes, there's me with George. So go to our YouTube channel, check it out. And uh, I have George, my helpful advisor right here, um, and yeah, if you're listening to him, my friends, well, good luck. Even if he has a WhatsApp channel that has 40,000 people or a Facebook page that, or a group that has over 100,000 people, you have to understand that it is volatile. It is difficult. It is so, so difficult. Okay. Um, okay. So Imran says, also, the longer duration for the LMIA, does it apply to one approved before this announcement too? No. 
it only applies on ones that are being issued now. So if you had a previous LMIA that was for valid for nine months, or I guess, I don't know if any are still six months, that applies. It doesn't retroactively extend it to 18 months. Um, <clears throat> it's only for the new ones. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, we've got a bunch of other things. Uh, questions. Uh, okay, this one is how long does it take to put together and send out a spousal? Collaborative review, my friend, it's on you how fast you get us the documentation because we review your application that you put together and with our help and with our assistance and with our DIY courses. That's how it works. So interesting question. Remember tomorrow, 10 a.m., I'll be back here for a live Q&A, Thursday, 11, Alicia. Okay, Bright says, can we please have the link? So here's all you need to do. Um, you can Google it. And I will have the link in the description. I just don't have it right now. So all you have to do is just Google search right here. Government of Canada announces Workforce Solutions Roadmap. Further changes to the temporary foreign worker program to address labor shortages across Canada. Um, and the other one, the Backgrounder Temporary Foreign Worker Program Workforce Solutions Roadmap. That is the, that's, that's the heading. And I'll probably change this live stream to be called that as well. Okay, there it is, Bright. Um, Okay, uh, let's see what else we have here. Yes, and Diane says, LMIs are actually not taking that long. It depends on where you're applying, Diane. It depends on which region. The problem is IRCC processing the work permits. Yes, absolutely. I agree without a doubt. Yes. Um, and it depends, Diane, also on the type of application that you're submitting. Okay, so Sese here, I know what they're asking. They're asking, if I put in a profile into the job bank, um, is this going to give me an opportunity to potentially find an employer. And yes, I guess it could potentially. Not a lot of employers look to the job bank to find workers, but when you're going through the LMIA process, um, when employers are implying, it's beneficial for Canadians and permanent residents because if they have their profiles in there, um, the employer actually has to, to send out or, or push out the ad directly to them so that they're made aware of it to make it easier for them to match with a Canadian or permanent resident. But for foreign nationals, Yes, there's no harm in putting it in there, but, and maybe things will start to improve when employers are looking for foreign workers. Maybe they may look to the job bank, it's possible, but uh, unless they actually have an active LMIA in the process, and usually in those circumstances, they've already identified the foreign workers that they want to, to bring in, um, it doesn't have a significant boost. I will quickly respond to this, very quick. Okay, maybe April, maybe, maybe May, maybe June. Those are April, Anik. So he says, when is the CEC draw? <coughs> Remember, don't put super chats in that don't relate to this because I'm not going to answer them. Um, uh, we don't know for sure when this is going to happen, but we do know that it's coming. It will be coming. <laughs> Spider-Man. Hi, Mark. Spidey is also a pretty good basketball player. Can we play together one day? Absolutely. I would love to. In fact, that reminds me to, no, it's tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Um, at our church, I've restarted our evening basketball. So if you're in Lethbridge and you want to play some basketball, you can come to our church. Just send me a message. <laughs> We're going to start doing that late when we've got the kids in bed. Now, mine are all old now, but a lot of the other dads are younger. And uh, yeah, so we're going to start playing at uh, about uh, 8.45 to about 10 at our church in the evenings. Oh, it'll be nice to get back to doing that. The pandemic pandemic shut all that down. What Spidey is referring to is the is, is the is the video I did here, um, where I indicated that I was a, a basketball <laughs> <the> spark. 
<laughs> so funny. You know, when I was, when I uh, was in high school, I, uh, we had a really short team. So, but I could jump and um, yes, I could dunk. And we, uh, I played uh, center on defense and point guard on offense. And uh, yes, in my final year, I averaged about 25 points a game, which wasn't bad for a little high school team. Anyways. Okay. Moving on. I digress. Couple more here. Let's see. Um, yeah. And that's totally fine. Abdul says, to be honest, I gave up with Canada immigration and I understand that my friend, it's been just a painful process for so many people. Um, thank you, Abdul says for uh, that. I'm doing a good job. Thank you. Um, let's see here. People call me a lot of things, uh, Abdullah. <laughs> they call me a lot of things. Okay. Um, okay. This is a good question. Kasra says, I heard LMI only gets accepted for global rare talents. Do I stand a chance as a junior structural engineer? My employer is willing to help. Well, of course it can get approved. Absolutely. Anyone who says that is just not true. What it comes down to whether or not there are Canadians or permanent residents that can, that can do the job that you're doing. Right. And, and so there may be, depending on where you're at, there may be a shortage, but the only way your employer is going to know is if they start the advertising process. And we always advise that with our employers. We, we do a staged process of support with them where we support them for a certain fee to get the ads submitted and to, to, to basically, we don't do it. We help them because we feel it's a conflict of interest for the representative to be submitting the ads, but we help them prepare everything and do it together collaboratively. And then if there's a bunch of people that respond, then it comes to an end. And then that's why the LMIE doesn't get approved. Um, but, uh, but there's like everything across all industries, depending upon where you're at, your location, it's possible. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> Spider says, Spidey went against your suggestions and went traveling to Thailand two times in the winter. Travel is such a huge aspect of my life. I just can't wait and stay put for too long. Good for you, my friend. Good for you. Okay. All right. Um, I applied for, our, oh, you guys in your super chats. Uh, in the last minutes of July 16, when can I expect AOR? Not a clue, my friend. Not a clue. That's something I can't answer. Ultimately, um, immigration has definitely placed different different uh, priorities and TR to PR. You could be landed even at the end of next year. So um, Hollywood star. Oh my goodness, Karthik. Get that off of there. Seriously. I did get a haircut. That was positive. Okay. Um, let's see right here. We're just about to the end of our questions. Um, Let's see. And if it's related, like I said, to this new announcement, I will answer your question. Otherwise, you have to wait till tomorrow. Okay. Tejas. Oh, you're tricking me. That one does not relate. Tomorrow. Ask it tomorrow. Um, okay. Here we go. So this is a great question. I'm going to give a round of applause here. Okay. I'm getting paid the minimum wage as a restaurant manager. Does this affect my LMIA when I apply after one full year? The LMIA is based on a prevailing wage rate. If you're on a post-grad work permit, they can pay you whatever they want as long as it complies with employment standards. In, in other words, um, minimum wage. And this is an issue that I have with these lovely employers who employ their post-grad workers and pay them dirt for their job. Ultimately, one of the headaches, at least the hangups for some of these cheap employers, is that the LMIA requires that the employer pay the prevailing wage rate which is often higher. And if they're not willing to pay it, then the LMIA won't be approved. If they fake it and their useless agent tells them or rep tells them they don't have to pay it, it's just to get the approval. And then they try to pay you something less, that's illegal. 
And, um, and, but as long as you guys don't complain about it, then nothing will change. Nothing will change. And the employers will go on screwing people over and you out there who are willing to pay the 30 or 40,000 for this job offer, you're just paving the way for more and more employers, more crooked agents to continue down that same path. Okay. Okay. Um, Sese says, what if someone get a, a job invitation from unregistered employers? Is that the employer right for employee to participate on the other temp foreign worker jobs? I don't know what you mean by unregistered. Um, <coughs> excuse me. There are some employers that are on the naughty list that have been bounced from being able to participate in the foreign worker program because they're garbage and they exploited the worker. And only to get on that list, you have to be pretty bad. But if they're not able to get an LMIA because they're on the banned list, then you don't want to have anything to do with them. Full stop. Okay. Um, let's see here. Yes, I don't. Arlene says, hey, Mark, it's been a while. Do you have uh, employer referral to your clients? Um, I don't. So I don't have, uh, you know, connections with employers in that way. I very clearly separated myself from recruitment um, and I focus on immigration. Um, let's see what else here. <laughs> Chitanya, I'll pull you up here. He says, coming to Alberta in June. I would love to meet you, Chitanya. Absolutely love to meet you in June. Would be great to see you. Also been busy with some family stuff. We'll get back the minute uh, everything is figured out. That'd be great because we're waiting to help you, my friend. Waiting to help you. Um, okay. And Gunnar says, sadly, LMA is an option for me. Not surprising. Employers are happy to, you know, yeah, is big in the market. Is too big in the market. Hope there's a solution. Yeah, I hear you. And it's frustrating, right? Because when they're big, they can just fill you with someone else and they just don't care. Okay. Um, all right. Okay, so we'll stop right there for today. We had a really, really good round. Let's see if I can get a little wrap-up music. Nice. We'll keep it nice and low. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. <clears throat> Remember, as always, the Canadian Immigration Institute is the sponsor of this podcast. What do we have coming up here? Express Entry Course, April 25th to the 29th. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my fingers. Accreditation for uh, Immigration Consultants. We've got the free DIY course for the Canada-Ukraine authorization to emergency travel. We've got the spousal March 28th, April 1st. This is the one that we just finished and this is going to be, um, we're gonna be redoing this one here right away as well in April. We had a fantastic group coming through this one. And of course, the LMIA course for high wage positions, which is going to be getting a drastic revamp. But if you subscribe, you will get the benefit of the revamp. Um, it's uh, the principles in this course are universal. Nothing much has changed other than the online filing, which I will now that I officially trust it, do a new online uh, lessons on how to file online. PR card renewal, well, they've moved it online, so it's still pending, it's coming, and ultimately, I wonder if anybody else was here, Thesura, Shelley, Shrikar, all you who have become alumni of the Canadian Immigration Institute, you guys rule. Okay, enjoy, and here's crossing our fingers that this lovely new announcement we have right here is going to be a benefit to you and the folks around you. Take care, Mark Holthy, Canadian Immigration Lawyer ex-immigration officer, former high school teacher, signing off and saying see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. That's Tuesday, sorry, Wednesday, two days from now 
at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. I keep saying tomorrow. Okay, guys. Take care. We'll see ya. This episode of the Canadian Immigration Podcast is sponsored by the Canadian Immigration Institute, one of the best sources of video content on Canadian immigration to help you navigate your way through the Canadian immigration process. Head on over to the YouTube channel where there's tons of video content and you can join Mark, yes, myself, in a number of live video streams, Q&As, all designed to help you navigate your way through this crazy Canadian immigration process. When you're done there, like and subscribe and then head on over to the CanadianImmigrationInstitute.com where you can find all those awesome DIY courses that I've been talking about. Thank you, Canadian Immigration Institute. You are the sponsor of this amazing little podcast.